You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So the plan for today is, I guess, kind of just looking at interesting things. And I do want to start off, um, I had the, I guess, resident numbers nerd as far as the uh, followers or listeners of the show, Todd, reach out. He was very upset with me about yesterday's show. And I, I think the only reason I really want to address it, because I already talked to him about it, we're, we're fine, but um, there are some times when I have a thought that isn't fully fleshed out, and I'm trying my best to explain, put into words what's going on in my brain, and I can't physically do it. And even right now, which is why I'm not going to get into it again, I still can't fully do it. But I just want to clarify a couple things because Todd seemed to think I was saying certain things that I wasn't, and I want to at least make sure at a very basic level you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's First of all, part of the reason why I ended the way I ended that whole little segment is because I realized it was sounding like I was saying something that I wasn't. What I ended by saying was, if you're going to be spending a bunch of money in Vegas, you better use advanced analytics. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I was going on a diatribe about... <sighs> Again, what it sounded like I was saying, our stats are better than advanced stats, which is not actually what I was trying to say. Again, I'm not rehashing the whole thing. I think as I was talking to, to Todd, I was realizing maybe a little bit of a better way to say it is statistics, which are just actual things, touchdowns, yards, etc. right? It's a thing that is real and documented, and it's 100% accurate. Our ability to describe a stat with a stat or describe a simple question like how many touchdowns did Aaron Rodgers throw with a stat that says here's the exact number of touchdowns he threw is more accurate than our ability to answer complex questions with complex statistics. Now that doesn't mean it's not worth delving into those things. My point is you got to understand the deeper we try to go, the more things get muddled, the more things get confused, and the less accurate we are getting. It's not to say we can't pursue, you know, closer to accuracy, whatever, but we're never going to have an exact number that says this is, you know, this grade. And and listen, I use PFF grades for this exact reason. I have bent over backwards to defend them because I like it, but it's never going to be 100% accurate. The question of, of quantifying a player down to a number is not a perfect science. I use it because I want to have I want to be able to quantify how good players are and PFF is the best that I'm available to do that. And that's always been my argument to PFF. If you have a better way for me to to look at every single player in the NFL and tell you how good they are, uh just just by itself but also in comparison to everybody else, I will use that. I don't think there is. I think PFF is as good as it gets. But the frustration I have is people that like to pretend as though not necessarily PFF, because usually I'm on the other side of that. I use it, and people are like, you know that's stupid, right? It's like, okay, whatever. But but again, the, the Ben Baldwins of the world who show you a graph with an X and a Y axis and say, this is how you know that your defense is not good. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, this this is some information. This is not the definitive piece of information. So again, the, the better way for me to describe it is is more or less that See, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't even know because I get like, well, let me say this. It's like, no, that's not 100%. It's, it's kind of like advanced stats where I'm trying to come up with the right metric. And I'm like, no, that's not accurate because of this. Eh, I don't know. I don't know the exact right way to say it. But it's not 100% and it isn't 100%. The one thing you need to be able to do with advanced stats is know what it is you're looking at. Let, let me, let me, let's do this. Let me, let, let me slightly move off of that just to give kind of a ridiculous example. And, and Todd was... was right there with me in terms of understanding that most people... See, the thing is, Todd is an engineer. He's a big-time numbers guy, and he knows how to use it properly. So for me to kind of just cast aspersions saying they're all everyone that uses it is stupid was not his favorite thing of me to say. But I'm more or less responding to things on Twitter. So let me give you an example. And obviously, this is ridiculous, but it's just, just to kind of give you an example here. So... Um, and we'll talk more about what I posted on Twitter because I want to get into that after this, um, having a little bit of fun at the Bears' expense, as I like to do. 
But I posted some stats that were not very flattering to Bears fans, and somebody got mad at me and uh, posted some article that he found. Here's what it says. Aaron Rodgers is the only NFL quarterback since the 1970 merger to lose four consecutive conference championship games. So in a way, this is sort of an advanced stat. But, but the issue that I have is what is it you're trying to prove? And I think part of the problem is everybody does things in reverse. What we should be doing is saying, what is the problem we're trying to solve? What is the question I'm trying to answer? And what is the best possible way to answer it? What is the, the data that I need? And then I need to go out and find that data and, and do whatever I have to do to that data to make it as, as the best possible picture I can. Now, I stand by the fact that depending on the question, like, you know, best possible player or whatever, that is an impossible task. You might be able to get kind of close. I don't think you'll ever fully 100% completely get there. I don't know. Maybe you can. I, I, I don't see how that's possible. But the problem is, what we do is, is, what some people like to do, is play Jeopardy. They start with the answer. What's the answer? Aaron Rodgers is the only NFL quarterback since the 1970 merger to lose four consecutive conference championship games. Okay. So what is the question we're trying to answer here? What's the question? The implication seems to be that Aaron Rodgers is a bad quarterback. But then you have to re-reverse engineer that. If I'm, if I'm going to sit here and say, how would you prove that Aaron Rodgers, or, or quantify how good Aaron Rodgers is, would you look at how many consecutive conference championship games that they've lost? That's, that doesn't make any sense. And, and you start to think through how many reasons, for how many reasons is that a bad decision? Again, you, you start with the answer that he lost four consecutive conference championships. And then again, what, what, what are we answering? Who is the worst conference championship player? Maybe. But again, think about how many holes there are for that. How many quarterbacks have never been to a conference championship? Wouldn't you assume that the ones that have never been to a conference championship are probably really bad quarterbacks? That's part of the reason they've never been there. And as a result, if they got there, they probably would have lost. So that doesn't make any sense. Plus, it's a, it's a stupid stat to begin with. But this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like People do things like this to try to prove some kind of a point, and it doesn't make sense. This doesn't do anything for anybody. This doesn't mean anything. It doesn't provide the right context. It doesn't have enough information. We need to build this out. We got to start with what is the question, and then we got to build that out and try to f- trim this down and figure out, well, maybe we need some different data or some better data or some more context. And, and again, this is obviously just somebody trolling, but this is just an exaggerated view of what happens all the time. And there's really smart people or people that at least think they're very smart who do very similar things. You know, again, when, I, when we did the whole Yannick Ngakwe thing, there were a lot of people posting all kinds of stats. Why are they posting stats? Well, they're doing the Jeopardy thing. They're starting with the answer. And the answer they're trying to find is Yannick Ngakwe is a very good football player. So they build out that answer to reverse engineer the question. It's just, it's, it's so stupid. Sometimes people do it deliberately because they're just trying to prove something that isn't so, and it takes people that actually care about reality to say, well, let me dig into that a little bit to find out if that's even true, which sometimes I do, and that's what we're going to be doing a little bit today because you just keep hearing things, and eventually I get to the point where it's like, maybe you should just look into it because it's, I mean, is it true, and how would you, you know, whatever. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of show you the process I went through because I think that's, it's actually worthwhile, right? We'll start with the question, and then we'll go through the process of figuring out what is the best way to answer the question. So it's kind of like part two of yesterday and trying to walk through what I was talking about yesterday and, and seeing what I mean about the more you dig in, the more questions come up and you start to see the errors and all these things. But anyways, this is what happens all the time. And so again, you look at stuff like this and it, and it can be frustrating because it's so stupid. But and even this isn't the, the best example because, again, what, what is he even trying to prove? I have no idea. I, I don't know what this is trying to – it's really just – it's just a drive-by, like, slap in the face. Like, ha-ha, you keep losing in the playoffs in the NFC Championship. Like, yeah, yeah I know, dude. Like, this is just a more creative way of laughing at that. By the way, another one of the holes that's in this, um, he lost four consecutive. That doesn't mean four in a row as in consecutive because he didn't play four consecutive. There were many years in between, and one of the years in between he actually lost – I think in the wild card, and by he, which is another flaw in this, it's not he, it's the team, right? That's another completely, that's that's a non-accounted for variable in this apparent argument that's being made. That isn't an argument for anything. The fact that there's a team and a coach and all these things and all these variables, not just the one quarterback, but again, leave that aside. There was a playoff game that he lost in between, but that doesn't count. Why? Because he didn't make it that far. So 
So does that is that a better thing? So if you don't get to the conference championship and lose, that's actually to your benefit? How does that make any sense? So all, again, it's not thought out. I don't think it's meant to be thought out. Maybe he thinks this is like a, a good slam of some kind. But I, I just responded with one random thought that I had, which was, who else has even been to four? And I think I looked at it, Brett Favre had been to three conference championships. I could be wrong. I just kind of glanced. But Aaron Rodgers is, I think, the only Green Bay Packer that's been to four since 1970, which makes sense because Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers would be the only ones that even would. The question is, did Favre, and I don't think he did. I think he went to three. So again, for a million reasons, this is stupid. And again, I know that you can tell that this is really dumb. Everybody except Packers fans are bitter 21, which is literally his Twitter handle. Um, everybody else can pretty much see that this is not a very worthwhile stat. But anyways, so that's, I don't know if that helped anything at all. I don't even remember where I left off with what I was trying to explain. But that is, that is generally my frustration. And, and again, the, the, the whole thing that started it yesterday was the more I tried to dig in to things, the more I realized that everybody who was trying to use the past to look into the future was doing such a bad job that you'd be better off just looking at the team's record, which is not a good way to do it. If you just look at the fact that the team wins most of the time, that's probably not the best way to indicate whether they're going to win in the future. But when you look at, again, like people who say, well, the run defense is so bad. Okay, I have I have so many problems with that. And I've, I, again, I'm not going to rehash it because I went through several of those things. For example, you're, you're discounting the things that are good and you're not allowing the variable of things to get better but you are allowing things to get worse. In fact, you're assuming things will get worse. So it's such a nonsensical thing. If, if I had to choose between the way that irrational, emotional fans, myself included, tend to look at this with worry and just the fact of look at their record and the fact that despite the adversity, they continue to win. Which am I going to choose? The, the you know advanced stats where I'm looking at the specifics of, yeah, they won, but... Look at the special teams, but look at the run defense, look at the declining defense, look at, you know, just basically just look at all the negative things that are happening and then assume that the quality of wins are not good. And then if you go up against good teams, you're not going to win despite all the holes in that rationale or the fact that they just keep winning. I don't know, man. It's pretty close for me. Again, that's not to say that somebody couldn't come up with something a little bit better. And I think it would actually be kind of fun. And and the whole reason this thing started is because I did start going through this thing in my head and saying, okay, well, let's analyze this and this and this. And the more you do it, the more you realize, man, there's so many additional variables here. And I kind of just backed away. And then you hear people say silly things. It's like, no, dude, you know what? I'm to the point now where wins are more important than what you're saying, than one little variable of run defense or whatever. Not saying it's not important, but I think this one stat of 12 wins carries more weight than whatever it is you're pushing over there. Anyways, I, I just want to walk you through this, and it's kind of bearing my soul a little bit here because obviously I'm not, I'm, I'm a numbers nerd, but I'm not good at it. You know what I mean? I enjoy it, but I, I'm not I'm not trained in this. So anybody that is, is going to be like, well, this is why you're stupid. But that's fine because I just, I just want to walk through what I'm talking about a little bit. So there's been a lot of talk about... Um, Another area of concern is the fact that the Packers never really blow anybody out. All of these games seem to be really, really close. And I kind of took issue with it on the podcast, but I didn't do it in a structured way in which I actually dug into it. I kind of just said, well, here's my, just sort of off the top of my head, here are my issues with what you're saying. And so I finally went back and I said, you know what, let's do this. Why don't we actually try to look at it and find out how important that is? Because it does feel like it's important. If you win big, you must be a better team, I guess. I don't know. But again, I, I posited just a theory. And it's not me saying this is how I know you're wrong. It's just I'm just throwing it out there as something to contemplate, uh, as opposed to just the the shallow thinking of if you blow teams out, then that means you're dominant. That means you're better. That means you win the Super Bowl. Okay, well, let's let's look at a couple couple different things here. And the one thing I posited, just just throwing it out there, maybe teams that blow out other teams are teams that stay aggressive, and maybe teams that stay aggressive either blow out teams or sometimes end up losing games because rather than getting conservative and carrying out that win, they kind of get aggressive and end up losing. Maybe that's why the Packers have a better record than some of these teams, despite the fact that some teams blow out other teams. I don't know. And maybe that's true for some teams and not other teams. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying it's not all just that simple. We got to dig a little bit deeper and, and think these things through a little bit better. Everything we do is so shallow and it's, you know, and so I said, all right, well, how would we go about doing this? 
And so my first thought was, why don't we just count up how many blowouts a team has? And then we'll try to do, because what I want to find out is, is there a correlation between blowing a team out and being a good team? And, and the hard part with that is, well, it's going to be hard to create a metric where that doesn't automatically happen. And my first issue with that was, if we just count the number of blowouts a team has, then obviously the team with more wins is, is most likely going to have more blowouts. And so you're going to have a list that ranks teams with the best record above teams with bad records. Right? If you've never won a game, you have zero blowouts, you go to the bottom of the list. That's not what I want to do. Because at that point, we're actually going right back to where we were, which is looking at how many wins you have with a slight variable. You know. And so what I said, well, how about this? Why don't we look at what percentage of your wins are blowouts? Now, there still could be some problems there, but at least it gives us a little bit of a better picture because it's possible that you win only two games and you win them both by 25 points which would cause people to think, wait a minute, if bad teams don't blow out teams, how did you beat that team by 25 points? And if really good teams always blow out teams, then you shouldn't see a lot of really good teams with a low percentage. Because again, I don't want to just count how many wins you have because we're trying to get away from just wins and contextualize it a little bit. Now, another issue with this is that now you have to pick what a quote-unquote blowout is, and you just kind of have to pick a number. My first thought, and, and blowout is probably an exaggeration, but let's say win by a comfortable margin. My first thought is you, you got to win by two scores, which you could call that nine points. I just rounded, called it 10. You could have done 14, which is two touchdowns. You could do 10. You could do just win by a seven. You could do win by 20. I don't I, I picked 10, partially because the math is real easy to just eyeball and look at and say, okay, that's more than 10 above whatever. But I felt like t- 10 is a comfortable win. It's a comfortable two-score win. At the end of the game, there's no way that they were going to win because they'd have to score twice. Going from most to least, and again, you're going to see a lot of the better teams are on top as compared to on bottom because they have more wins, and when you have more wins, you know, it just it's going to be that way. Plus, yes, to some degree, better teams are going to blow out teams more often because you're better. It, it, it does make some sense, but it's not a direct one-to-one correlation. Here is the list in order. Number one is the Bills, who have actually 100% of the time when they win, they have blown a team out. Now, I want to pause here, though, because remember... We're trying to figure out, does the quality of your wins produce more wins? In other words, if I sort this by what percentage of your wins are blowouts, is it going to be more wins at the top and less wins at the bottom? The Bills have won nine games. They're all, every single one of them was a blowout, but they've only won nine. So again, just pausing here, would you switch with the Bills? Maybe a better question would be, do you think the Bills have a better chance at a Super Bowl than we do? It's fine if your answer is yes, but I, I think it at least is worth asking the question because I think you're going to have a hard time proving that the Bills are a better team than the Packers, have a better chance of winning than the Packers, just, I mean, just based on the nine wins, <laughs> right? And, and based on the fact that you can't really say that they're better than the Packers or have a better chance of winning than the Packers, it's hard to just look at the original premise of if you don't if the quality of your wins isn't good enough, then we don't expect as much of you. You need to have better quality wins in order for me to believe that you're actually going to win in the Super Bowl. Okay, so so the Bills you believe in more than the Packers? Well, not necessarily. Well, then what are we even talking about? What are we even doing here? Now, that isn't to say that this isn't useful information. Because again, we are kind of sorting better teams on top, worse teams on the bottom, and I'll continue through the list. But maybe what we need is just more refinement. And then this is one piece But again, this is where it gets real dicey because we've already got a bunch of variables that are iffy. First of all, is the formula even correct to begin with where you do a percentage of your wins? Second of all, is 10 the right number or should we use a different number? Beyond that, to make this even better, now we have to add in new variables and those variables have their own problem. And so we we come to this thing where we are moving closer towards something, but there's just so many variables that are iffy that it just starts to feel, the ground gets more and more and more shaky. And so we can probably keep pushing this until we have a list of teams that kind of fit what looks to be a chart that tells us the best teams in football. But how much confidence are you going to I, I personally probably wouldn't have a ton of confidence. But anyways, the number two team, by the way, 88% is the Eagles. Seven of their eight games have been blowouts. Seven of their eight wins. Where do the Eagles rank in terms of your confidence or their ability to win a Super Bowl or even get into the playoffs at this point? Number three is the Denver Broncos. Six of their seven, which is 86%. They only won seven games. 
But when they win, they blow the other team out. And by the way, if you double check this and I'm off by one on these, I, I just kind of real quick glance, I, I might be off by one. I'm making a general point here. The Colts, 78%. Now the Colts are a good team. I actually have a, a high level of confidence, but it's for a lot of other reasons. After that, believe it or not, the next highest 75%, the Houston Texans. They've only won four games. Three of them have been by 10 or more points. So again, and I I don't, again, I'm not trying to completely dismiss your point that you're frustrated that we don't win by more. I'm saying that there's probably something there, but you're going to have to dig deeper if you want that to be a major point of emphasis. You have to go do it. That's not my thing. That's your thing. You go do it. But this is... This is, if you want me to pay attention and care about what you're saying, show me something like this. Show me that the quality of the wins matter and I can prove it. Because I just real quick dove into it and I'm looking at the Texans as a top five team in terms of blowout percentage. The quality of their wins is, is, is better than almost every, every single team in football. And again, if you tell me that I have to include or just add the wins, no, I don't because that doesn't make any sense. And by the way, if I do that, the Packers are just going to be a lot higher. Because even though their percentage is somewhat lower, they obviously are going to have more blowout wins because they have more quote-unquote blowouts than some teams have complete wins. I mean, they, they have more blowouts than the Texans have wins entirely. So I'm not going to do that because that's, that's an unfair metric. After the Texans is the Cardinals, 7 of 10. Then the Patriots, 67%. The Bengals, 67%. The Chiefs are 64%. The Panthers, terrible team, 60%. The Seahawks, terrible team, 60%. Then the Saints at 57, Cowboys at 55, which, you know, Cowboys, phenomenal team, arguably right now, you know, again, things are fluctuating up and down like crazy, but if you ask me who one of the best teams in football, Cowboys, Colts, these two, Chiefs by far, um, Cowboys are mediocre in terms of their ability to blow teams out. They're about, they're, they're sitting at 55%, 6 of 11. The Bucks, another team that everybody probably thinks are one of the more dominant teams, they're at 55%, just like the Rams, 55%, and then the Packers at 50%. So the Cowboys, Bucks, Rams, and Packers are all right next to each other. You know who's immediately after the Packers? The Lions at 50%, same as the Packers, one of two. <laughs> one of two. I mean, it's 50% of their wins, they blow teams out. But, but the, that's my point, though. What does your winning by a wide margin do to help me understand how good of a football team you are. I'm not seeing a correlation between when I beat you, I smoke you, and the fact that I'm a really good football team. Because remember, we're not talking about the, pack, the fact that the Packers win a lot of games. We're looking at the quality of the wins when they win, right? That's what we're asking. Well, the Lions and the Packers have the exact same percentage of their wins being high-quality wins. The Packers and Lions probably could not be any further apart. You might have the best and worst team in all of football with the exact same percentage. So again, I think you're right if you believe that the quality of the wins says something. But there's so much work to be done. And again, the problem I have is so many people want to just fly off the rails because they feel something. And so they feel something and then they say something. They go on Twitter, they go on Facebook, and they start screaming it. And they've done no investigation. They just know that they, and again, I feel it. I feel the concern, but give me something. Give me something to work with here. What is the statement you're making? And maybe, I'm sorry if I'm taking football, the, the fun of football away. I'm not trying to, I mean, again, as I've always said, fan how you want to fan. If you want to just feel something and then scream it on social media, go ahead. I'm sure I do that plenty. But if you're actually interested, if you're actually curious, if you actually want to diagnose the team, Let's do it. Let's figure it out. I, I think this is fun. I had fun doing this little blowout percentage thing, especially because it kind of got me to the point where I'm looking at it going, I feel like there's something here, but it's definitely, I, I can say 100% with 100% certainty that this metric that I came up with, which is blowout, what percentage of your wins are blowouts, really doesn't tell me anything in terms of the quality of your football team. After that is the 49ers, 50%, the Dolphins, 43%, the Browns, 43%, the Titans, only 40%. That's a good football team. The Chargers, good football team, 38%, only three of eight. The Ravens, 25%, the Raiders, 25%, the Giants, 25%, the Bears, 20%, Washington, 17%, the Vikings, 14%, only one of their seven wins. The Jets, 0%. 0 of 4, the Jaguars, 0 of 2, the Steelers and the Falcons, 0 of 7. So again, 
there's nothing immediately obvious about what this is telling me, if anything. So I'll grant you there's something, there's something to be said for winning big, but I don't know what's being said. Maybe it has something, some kind of a reflection to the offense that isn't direct. I mean, what I know is there is not a one-to-one correlation between what percentage of your wins are blowouts and wins, right? In other words, you can't look into the future and say you're going to have more wins because of the quality of your wins. It's, it's not a thing. Maybe it says something else. Maybe it tells you about the makeup of the team, whether it be the, well, maybe it means you have a better quarterback. Well, no. I mean, again, the Texans, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Or maybe it's more of a negative thing. It's not so much that having a bunch tells me anything, but if you don't have enough, it does say something negative about your team. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying I did this work, and I can't make heads or tails of what this is telling me because it just is a pile of teams. It's just a random pile of teams. And if I just gave you this list of teams and said, what do you see here? I think you'd struggle to find any coherence whatsoever. It certainly isn't a list of the best and best teams to the worst teams. Not even close. But it is interesting. Just know that from now on, I really am not interested in anybody t- complaining about the quality of our wins. Unless you can tell me more about why you think that's a problem. Because at the end of the day, the in this sport... Winning is all that matters. And the fact that the Packers have 12 wins, despite not necessarily blowing a lot of teams out, tells me that I can't look at the fact that we haven't blown out a lot of teams and deduce that in the future we're not going to win a lot because that obviously doesn't make a lot of sense. How do we have 12 wins? But this is kind of what I'm talking about. There's data, and that's all it is is information. Maybe it says something, maybe it doesn't. But what I did is I started with a question. Is there a correlation between the quality of your wins and your ability to predict how many wins a team is going to have? I tried to find as best as I could a way to articulate that with data. Again, I maybe botched that. And I came to a conclusion. And based on what I'm looking at, the answer to the question is no. In my mind, that's how you go about doing things. And I love doing that. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. What I don't like is people doing things in reverse. So in other words, what I probably could do is find a certain number that the Packers win by. If, if, for example... If I wanted to prove the point that the Packers don't win a lot of big games, I could pick a number that we don't win by. For example, 17 points, because we've won a handful, but none above 17 points. That proves that we don't really blow out a lot of teams. But again, that's doing things in, in reverse. I'm trying to find the solution, trying to find the answer that I want first, and then trying to build it out from there. Or vice versa, if a bunch of people are complaining we don't blow teams out, I could pick a number like 8 and prove that we've actually, you know, it, it just depends. I mean, how, how can I get the Packers higher or lower on this list? Let me just tweak the numbers until I get this looking the way I want it to look. That's just stupid. And so advanced analytics are fun, they're awesome, and they can give us a, a better picture of more complicated questions. But I think the vast majority of the time what we get are kind of garbage pictures. And even more often, it's probably garbage pictures to garbage questions. And probably more often than that is people just splur, you know, blurting things out that are just tied to their current feelings or emotions. I have no idea if any of this is interesting to anybody, but I enjoy this. <laughs> so this is where we're at. Again, it's a big topic of discussion, the whole blowout thing. The Packers are right smack dab in the middle. I mean, in terms of how they rank as, as far as teams above them and below them, they're right in the middle, but also right at 50%. 50% of their wins are by 10 or more points. I feel like that's not that bad. That's, that's kind of in the middle. Better than the Titans and the Chargers. It's worse than the Colts and the pretty much everybody else. I don't know, Chiefs and Bills and whatever. But again, do you want to switch? Would you rather be the Bills? Would you rather be the Bills and win 100% of your wins by just blowouts? Which, to be clear, way more enjoyable to watch those games. But would you switch to get that, that feeling of comfort, that feeling of, wow, we're a really good team? that feeling of excitement because you're just blowing them out and you know that there's no chance you're going to lose. So you get to watch the third and fourth quarter with no concern whatsoever, which is a great viewing experience, but you only get nine wins. And at the end of the day, because of all the losses, you have to assume that there are other issues outside of your ability to score a lot of points because you lose a bunch of games. So do you want to take on all that negative too, or are you content to be the winningest team in football that finds ways to win outside of just blowing everybody out? And this again is where I come back to The idea that we just came full circle where we dug up more information and spent time and did all these things to try to look into more advanced things. And what did we come back to? The 12 wins, to me, is a more valuable metric to tell me how good the Packers are than this thing that I made up. That isn't to say you can't get a more clear picture of how good or bad the team is by getting more information, but 
In this instance, this information we found took us down a useless path. And the boring garbage stat of wins is a better stat. And too often, fans get caught up in fake advanced stats that they made up and charts that they pull out of the air and all these things to try to prove this, that, or the other. And at the end of the day, I can look at 12 wins and say, you know what, I'm going to trust that more than this. Because again, according to your chart, the Packers are overrated and are not the number one team in football. So they shouldn't have 12 wins right now, but they do. So again, it's not that numbers lie or that charts are wrong or bad or stupid. It's just that you're kind of stupid in the way that you built this chart, because obviously it's wrong. And the world as it exists is proving it to be wrong. So rather than putting it on social media and saying, hey, guys, look what I proved. Reality is wrong. My chart says so. Maybe look at it and go, dang, my chart sucks. Maybe I should rework this. Maybe my theory that this X and Y axis proves everything you need to know about the quality of a team. Maybe I should take that down and rework that a little bit because it doesn't line up with what's right. I mean, that, that's, that's the other thing that I've talked about before is if you want to know if something is a good metric and everything is has some relevance, even stupid things like touchdowns. If you sort quarterbacks by touchdowns, is that going to give you the best ranking of quarterbacks? No, that's stupid. But you know what? It's not going to be a terrible ranking. It's going to be better than a random ranking, and it's going to be a heck of a lot better than an inverse ranking. There is some correlation to touchdowns and being a good quarterback, just like there's some correlation to win percentage and being a good team. I mean, it's the, the top half is better than the bottom half, but it's very far from a comprehensive data point. But, but again, sort by that chart to find out how good it is. For example, and I've done this to, before to kind of prove to you that PFF grades, although not perfect, are pretty solid. So for example, if we sort by touchdowns, I'm going to give you this list of quarterbacks and you tell me if this is a good ranking of of quarterbacks. We'll just do, I don't know, top 10. Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, and Carson Wentz. It's not terrible because pretty much all of the top quarterbacks are in the top 10, but it's kind of terrible when Matt Stafford is number two, right? What if we went by yards? Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers. It's basically the exact same quarterbacks, so it's the exact same conclusion. It's not bad. It's certainly better than if we do the bottom, where we say Cam Newton, Tyler Huntley, Mike Lennon, Mike White, Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton, Trevor Simeon. You know what I mean? I mean, it's the top is clearly better than the bottom, but we can probably find a better way to rank the quarterbacks. What if we did yards per attempt? Joe Burrow, Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield. Again, some really good quarterbacks, but Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Lamar, and Baker do not belong in the top 10, period. What if we did passer rating? Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, Jameis Winston, Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell Wilson. Exact same thing. There's some quarterbacks that are deserving, but there are some that really just don't probably belong there. And and again, passer rating is cool because it, it basically is an advanced stat. It takes a look at multiple different things and tries to quantify the most and least important. It doesn't do it enough to give you a full picture, but it's better than just the pure stat. All right. What if we did um, PFF grades? Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, and Jalen Hurts. Probably going to be some objections in there, but my biased opinion, that's probably a better ranking. And again, you got to take certain things into context. For example, Aaron Rodgers started off slow. So if you go in the second half of the year, whereas most people are remembering the last five, six weeks of Aaron Rodgers saying, no way he's fourth. Well, if you look at the full year and its full context, he probably is fourth. If you look at the quarterbacks as they are today, he's probably closer to number one. But, but again, these things are not perfect, but if if you want to know how good something like that is, just make a list, sort it, and see how the ranking pans out. And ultimately, my biggest issue with even trying to argue with any of these things is, guess how many snaps I've seen of Jalen Hurts, right? Because that's the one that stands out, like, Jalen Hurts, he's not good at football, right? I mean, he was, aren't they talking about maybe moving on from him? I, I, I don't honestly know. I have not watched, I don't think I've watched one throw from Jalen Hurts, maybe a couple highlights on Twitter. So I don't know. But anyways, again, 
The other frustration, the more that you look into this stuff and see the complexity, it, it really, it's not just the, the, the Twitter arguments that bother me. It's the, you know, when you hear the media and everybody talking about people in ways that are just dumb and, and you know, when, when they say data that's just so outdated by multiple years, I mean, think about how much goes into understanding a quarterback as they currently are and really digging and grinding and trying to find out the best possible information for today and for tomorrow that there is. And you got people that are calling players great players that haven't been very good for multiple years because they're just kind of unplugged from from their one job on this planet. And, you know, not just that, but the Pro Bowl. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I would hate to be boring and say, let's just use PFF as a metric, but that would be better than what they're doing. They're, again, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in football via PFF right now. And even if you go more recently, I can't get Aaron Rodgers above him. And after what he just did, I don't think I'm going to be able to for a while. That guy is killing it. Now, I'm not saying he necessarily deserves MVP, although if he puts together a couple more of those performances the last couple of weeks, it's worth talking about. The 14 interceptions aren't great, but I mean, the, the, the fact that, you know, a guy like Joe Burrow is never going to get those consider. I mean, he's never, he's not even in the MVP conversation and maybe he doesn't deserve to be necessarily, but he's not where he should be in that conversation. Maybe he's not on the same tier as Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he's not on the same tier as Tom Brady even. More yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions, right? Maybe he's not exactly where Patrick Mahomes is. But do you think the MVP or the Pro Bowl people are even considering him a top five quarterback? There, there are six quarterbacks that were taken, and he wasn't on the list. There's three AFC quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. Again, why Lamar? Joe Burrow should be way ahead of Lamar, because Lamar has been kind of terrible, as in god-awful, as a quarterback. But he won MVP just a couple years ago, and the general consensus is he's an extremely talented quarterback, and they just haven't come around to that because they're so slow to it. And just seeing the massive gap between the amount of effort that has to go into genuinely, truly understanding the sport, which is something I can't even get anywhere near, and what the media does, and what the Pro Bowl is, and the stupid uh, Madden grades, and the MVP and the, 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 all the awards that they give out. It's so just painful. Lamar freaking Jackson. I'm sorry, the guy's not good. He was real good for one year. He was terrible as a rookie. He had a great second year, one MVP, and has just completely fallen off ever since. And right now he's in serious trouble, as is Baker, of a once promising quarterback just kind of being, yeah, that was a, it was a nice experiment, but this isn't really working. Lamar Jackson ranks 24th among quarterbacks. At the very least, put Josh Allen in, right? What the heck is Lamar? I, you know, but, but again, it's a popularity contest, which is pathetic. It's so unbelievably pathetic that this is how we do things. And again, the whole Jamar, well, you know, Joe Burrow, he's a young guy. So Jamar Chase, his wide receiver, is in the Pro Bowl. So even that doesn't necessarily make sense because, again... Yes, it's slow to come around, but it's a popularity thing. And if there's a bunch of buzz and a bunch of hype, you can sound real smart by just raising your hand for the guy that's really hyped up. And I'll be like, oh, that's a great idea. That's great. Yeah. Even Quentin Nelson. Did you realize Quentin Nelson ranks 35th out of 50 guards this year? He's not even the best Quentin at guard. Quentin Spain for Cincinnati is playing better than he is. Quentin Nelson is 35th out of 40, uh, out of, out of, uh, a lot, out of 83. I don't know why he's struggling, but he's struggling, and nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. He's going to the Pro Bowl. There are 35. He ranks 35th because he's tied with a bunch of people, but there are 35 or 34, I guess, players that grade better than he does. That doesn't mean he's not a great player, but it does mean he's not a great player this year and shouldn't be going to the Pro Bowl. What is he being rewarded for? Again, his grades, 81, 91, 87, 66. He's having a down year. I'm sure he'll bounce back. I'm sure he'll be fine. Guess what? You're still not going to the Pro Bowl. It's just annoying. I don't know. Anyways, I'll, I'll end my, my rant on that. It's partially a clarification, partially some interesting information, partially trashing this dummy that gave the most nonsensical Aaron Rodgers NFL quarterback since 1970 merger to lose four consecutive conference championships. And again, this is why this is so annoying. Like when you spend time really trying to analyze things and realizing... You know, the more you dig, the more you realize you don't know jack squat about anything, and you're kind of just goofing around here. 
And then somebody throws that at you and they're like, boom, mic drop. It's like, you, oh, it's, it, it hurts me how dumb this is. Anyways, we should probably take a break here. Big giant massive shout out to Mr. Matthew S. as well as Jason Bolson. Thank you guys so much for jumping in on Patreon. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. If you get in on the $2 a month tier, uh, you get the podcast early and ad free. Everything after that, there are perks, but I haven't done anything in quite a while. I got to get on the ball. Um, Well, I'm not going to make stupid excuses because there is no excuse. Can always make time for things. I just haven't. My bad. General guideline: support the podcast as much as you want to support the podcast, not for the extra perks. Because if you do it for the extra perks, then I feel bad for not giving you the extra perks. You know what I mean? Don't think of it as buying something, because you're really not. Also, thank you to Mark for, I believe, donating on Venmo. Although I cannot find it anywhere in Venmo, but we'll we'll assume that it got there. Thank you very much. Either way, it's the thought that counts. Kind of. Not really. <laughs> Anyways, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. A little bit of news and notes coming across the uh, wire here. Green Bay Packers apparently had a visit from running back Kareth White, who was a uh, on the Packers practice squad previously, as well as wide receiver Devontae Dedman. The assumption right now by seemingly everybody is that this is strictly a special teams thing, which does make sense because there is some COVID news that affects our punt returner. We'll get to that in a moment. But just real quickly wanted to look at these guys. Kareth White originally was a 2019 seventh-round pick by the Chicago Bears out of Florida Atlantic, 5'10", 200 pounds. Um, His only actual regular season action came um, in one game, sorry, in one season, played six different games. Overall, his grade was a 64, but it was mixed basically three pretty good games and three really bad games. Um, But 25 attempts, 122 yards, 4.9 average, again, some really good, some really bad, kind of mixed to make it seem average. Didn't have any touchdowns, didn't have any fumbles. 3.6 yards after contact, blah, blah, blah. Get to the good part. As far as his special teams, he's never really done anything but be a returner, meaning he's not a gunner, he's not any of those things, he's strictly a returner. And by returner, I mean kick returner. He's never done any punt returning. Um, He does have, however, 14 different kick returns, 263 yards. His longest was 34 yards, 18.8 yards per attempt. That is kind of bad. Um, Again, I don't really know what a good baseline is, but in my mind, 25 yards is kind of what I'm looking for. If you kick it to the goal line, which a lot of people have been doing to us recently, I would like you to at least get it to the 25-yard line. If you're averaging sub-20 yards per return, in fact, in no games... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different games. He was a kick returner. Not once did he average 25 or more yards. Um, to be fair, 25 is kind of a tough metric to get to. Not many people do it, but there's not very many good kick returners in the NFL. Either way, though, not a very good kick returner. There are uh, only, well, going back to 2019, there were only 10 returners that had 25 or more 
yards per attempt, which I guess that's almost a third of the NFL. His 18.8 was 38th out of 46 that had returned punts. So not super great. But he has experience, so there's that. And maybe the most important metric here, zero muffed returns. So take that for what it's worth. As for Mr. Devontae Dedman, um, he has not had any action in the NFL. I checked it out. He has also not been in the XFL or AAF because PFF still has those grades, which is kind of awesome. He went from college straight into Canadian football, and there is no PFF in Canadian football, at least nothing that I can access. However, he did play college football, so we can look at that. Five foot nine, 198 pounds, uh, went to William and Mary. Um, as a receiver, geez, he didn't really ever do very much. His best year, uh, year, not game, his best year, 2018, geez, 2018, 10 targets, 6 receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Arguably, 12 targets, 8 receptions, 84 yards, and 2 touchdowns in 2015 was his best year. I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to, uh, to believe that I'm reading this right, but I am. Those are, those are year. It looks like he plays one game a year. I don't understand. He must have been... If this guy comes to the Green Bay Packers and does anything, this Packers staff is ridiculous because from what I can tell, unless the guy's just always injured, which doesn't really make a lot of sense, this is like a fourth string guy on a really bad football team that comes out for one game a year, probably subbing for somebody that's injured, and that's all he does all year. And um, somehow he's on somebody's radar in Green Bay. I know what you're thinking. Well, why don't you just look at his special teams? That's probably what got their attention. I could if he had any. He doesn't have any, which tells me he was never on special teams, like doing anything. He was never a returner, a gunner, nothing. So I, he, he must have just done something kind of cool in Canadian football. In fact, let me look at some Canadian football stats. So in Canadian football, he has been um, on the field a little more, <laughs> not much, uh, 2019, four receptions, 58 yards, didn't play in 2020, 2021, 11 receptions, 103 yards, still has not scored a touchdown. However, again, he did do some punt and kick returning. 2019, he averaged 33.9 yards, 2021, 25 yards. Both of those are pretty impressive. As a punt returner, 2019, 15.4 yards, 2021, 15.4 yards. So I, I'm just, I'm just guessing they found one of the better kick-slash-punt returners in the CFL and are like, I don't know, man, let's try it. Because there's literally nothing else here. The guy can't, the guy couldn't get on the field as a wide receiver at William & Mary and can't get on the field as a wide receiver in Canadian football. So that's, that's what we're dealing with. This is a star punt returner, kick returner, whatever, in the CFL, and they're, they're going to see if he can do it in the NFL. I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, at this point, we're, we're in that part of the season where there's nobody out there that's just floating around. There is no Devin Hester that's like, hey, man, you guys need somebody to come? It's like, no, stupid Devin Hester. Nobody wants you. Like, that. that's not a thing that happens. But let's take a shot on this guy. In fact, I'm going to get excited about him because when I Google his name, I see Devontae Dedman, amazing punt return touchdown, and I'm going to watch that video, and this is going to be my new favorite player because I want something to be excited about. How about that? Now, I'm going to be completely honest. That didn't do it for me because... I don't know, man. Maybe it's just maybe it's just my brain acknowledges this is the CFL and, and slows it down for me. I'm watching it, and it's like I feel like I'm watching middle school football. Like, this guy is slow, and they still can't catch him. But you know what? I bet he's great, and he's going to be real good here, and we picked him up, and we'll see how it goes. All right, all right. I found a second one. Incredible punt return touchdown by Devontae Dedman, CFL 2019 Week 8. Still doesn't necessarily seem to have blazing speed, but you want to talk about contact balance? Like the whole weebles wobble, but they don't fall down thing? Holy cow. This guy got tackled 19 times and he got a touchdown. Anyways, we're going to end on kind of a low note here. According to Tom Pelissero, 106 NFL players went on reserve COVID-19 list today. Wasn't that long ago I talked about how many people went on in the last like week or two and it was like 300. We just had 106 in a day. They all tested positive, including 96 positive tests uh, today. I don't know what that means. I guess 96 tested positive today, 106 went on the list. Whatever. Record high. Um, that's problematic. That feeds into my fears about the postseason and everything else. But furthermore, 
this COVID thing, which seems to come in bunches, which makes sense because it's a transmissible virus, but seems to kind of hit teams in bunches, has officially landed on the shores of Green Bay, Wisconsin. So in addition to MVS, Kevin King, Shamar Jean Charles, Chauncey Rivers, and Ladarius Hamilton already being on the COVID reserve list, the Packers just today for me, yesterday for you, added uh, lineman Ben Braden, Amari Rogers, Tipicalea, and Ty Summers to that list. So um, not to be rude to these fellows, obviously these are not the biggest players in the world. MBS is not great. Kevin King is a starter of sorts. Um, but it, it really just kind of goes to the significance of it. At, at any moment, you can wake up and eight guys are just added to the list. It happens to teams literally every day over the last two, three, four weeks. Boom, eight guys. And a lot of times it's big names. I mean, it, tomorrow it could be Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Mercedes, Stokes. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just... Anyways, so um, again, not super great news. So far, we're good. We're, we still have a team that can win football games and all that. But I mean, this is, this is just going to keep happening. And at, at some point, again, with a virus that everybody's going to get at some point. I mean, maybe it'll be after the Super Bowl. I don't know, but seems highly likely that a large number of our players, including some of the really, really good players, are going to be added to the, are going to be getting the virus. And one of two things is either going to happen. Number one, they get found out and they don't play. Or number two, they just don't get caught, but they're going to get it. And I suppose it is possible if you get it and you are asymptomatic and you don't have to get tested as being a close contact, which again is unlikely. Um, but if, if you do that, you can skate by without ever, you know, you could have COVID and play and I'm sure that happens all the time. But anyways, another day that we uh, skate by and there's a good chance we still beat the Vikings, at least so far. Anyways, we're going to leave it at that. We've got uh, some laughing at the enemy to do this week. We've got to start digging into the Minnesota Vikings and um, just kind of kind of doing that whole thing. But I hope you guys enjoy your Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.